Our text this morning is Romans 8, uh, 12 through 15, as we continue to go through the book of Romans. And uh, you know, I, as, as kind of an introduction, I recently read an article about a very famous and, and uh, successful pop artist that uh, she has had, had made a, a considerable fortune and married a, a very successful husband, and, and they, were, they have this immense, immense fortune. And then she'd get on up in age, and uh, she made the comment that she is not leaving her children any of the money that her and her husband, they've made this decision not to pass any of it on to their children, uh, not, and give it all to charity, and not because they don't love their children, just the opposite. She said that she sees it as a very loving thing to do is to, is to because of, you know, the, to not give this to it, you know, to pass it on. And, you know, and you think about how many times we hear about children who've grown up rich and to the point where they don't have any appreciation of, of money, you know, at all. Um, we, we, didn't, we didn't lay that burden on our kids, <laughs> so you know. But they didn't have to worry about uh, growing up rich, not to have an appreciation. But, but still, though, I think, you know, you know, it's funny, I think in, in many ways, um, as, I, as I was preparing, I thought about this sermon for today, and this, this kind of reminds me of, of the difficulty that we have in, in, our, in our walks and in our world today. Um, for many of us, we grew up convinced of our relationship with God from a very early age. We just believed we're gods from a very early age. You know, I thought, thought about that, that, that song that we're listening to by, by Wesley, and he talks about this, this, this feeling of, of knowing he's, he's in this cell and, and, and feeling that, that, that joy of, of hearing that, that voice come, you know, spring out. And please understand, I'm not talking about having this horrible life of sin. I'm not, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about this, 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 this feeling of knowing that you're not God's, and then feeling this, this rejoicing in having that. And, and, and so I guess I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't know if we appreciate the real change that occurs in salvation a lot of times. Because we grew up believing we're, we're God's. You know, we're taught all off. Well, you know, you're, you're God's little sunbeam, to, to quote uh, a friend of mine. And so because of that, there, there's a... There's a a, a pro, uh, an issue, and, and, and uh, I, I just um, want us to think about that this morning as we go through this. Um, fortunately, God is, His power and His grace is so much greater than our circumstances. But let's read, and, we'll, and I hope you'll see what I'm talking about as we go through this. Romans 8, 12, starting verse 12 through, and uh, go through verse 15. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to flesh, not to the flesh, live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who have, are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I'm, I'm sure you noticed, if you were here last week, I've really only added one more verse to what we're we're going through because it's just such an important concept I want us to get into this morning. But um, and also, I hope and pray you really enjoyed the study of Romans as much as I have. You know, um, we always want to see ourselves grow and, and change and develop. You know, and, and and you always want to see as you as you as we're walking and studying with the Lord to 
can you look back and you say, well, you know what? I, I see God working in my life. I see myself, you know, this, this process of sanctification. I see what that looks like. And, and, and a lot of ways, that for me, it happens through being challenged, you know, and, and being forced to evaluate my life and to evaluate my decisions and really to learn to ask better questions of myself. And this is what I've gotten out of, out of uh, probably as much as anything out of, out of Romans, is learning how to ask um, better questions about myself and better questions about, about what I'm doing, you know, as we talked last week so much. Um, it's more than just learning to do or not do things. You know, so much, so much time Christianity comes off and, and people look at it as a list you know, and, 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 and we look at, 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 okay, you're a Christian if you do these things. And you're a sinner if you do these things. And, and we have these lists of things, and, and that's not it at all. Uh, you know, sins, sins are, are not a list. It, it's a heart. And, and righteousness is not a list. It's a relationship with God, you know, and, 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 and asking these things. Why, why am I doing something? Um, you know, as we said last week, so, so as, as a leader, why do we have, you know, is this, am I being led by God to do these things or am I doing this because of just out of habit uh, and force? So reading through and studying Romans 8 has, has really forced me to, to apply this to my life. And as we ask the question, am I walking in the flesh? Am I doing what I'm doing as an obligation to try and please God? Is this why I'm doing it? Or am I doing this out of an attitude of worship? You know, it, it, why, why am I, why do I teach as a, as a, here at the Christian school? Am I doing this so I think people, so people will praise or I think God will praise, whatever? Or am I doing this because this is how I believe God would have me to worship him every day? You know, and, and, and why, why do I, why do you lead? Why, why are you here? Are you here because you know, this, this is, well, this is what I'm supposed to be. And, and, and this is so God will be pleased with me. Or are you here out of an attitude of worship? Um, you know, and, and, I, and the question that, that forced me through Romans 8 is, um, you know, how have you, um, how, how, how am I applying this? Am I being led by God or by habit? And so as I, as I was preparing this, I really thought, and I didn't know, I really didn't know at the time about, uh, we, have, we have a very small group this morning by God's grace and, and his uh, uh, divine providence. But one of the, <laughs> I had in here, just, just as a, a time of question, you know, a, a, a reflection for you. How about you? You know, how have you been able to, to, uh, to apply what God's taught us? As we're going through Romans eight, what's that looking like in your life? And uh, I, I, I'm curious. I was, how, how have you, you know, what's this? It's like if, if David was here, you know what David would say. You know, what does this look like? You know, what, what does what does this mean for us? And so I'm just curious. What what about you? you know, and one of the things that's, that's so I think to me is so important about that is when I do that. It's not that I'm doing less. It's it's, it's it's I'm having to evaluate why am I doing it. You know, you actually, hopefully, you're doing more. That this service and living out for God is, is, is a growing thing, not a, not a, what else? Yeah. Or what Paul, as Paul would approach it. 
You know, that, that to me, I think, you know, thinking back over Romans and what he was talking about Romans 6, that federal headship of Christ, that was just, to me, that was just revolutionary. To, to think about, you know, that, because that, 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 it's just still so contrary, I think, to our, our American viewpoint of you're on your own or what you did. And to say that, that you know, in Christ, you know, that's, that, that's your righteousness and what that actually is. Yeah, I think that's been, and it's funny going back and even now thinking about it and hearing other things I've heard or hear people talk about it because it's just so misunderstood. You know, it's real important for us to think about how, how are we applying this? What's this looking like in our lives? How are we, what, what does this mean for us? If we're just, you know, if we're just studying just to study, you know, to come here, then, then, then we, we're, missing a, 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 we're missing the point. So as Paul takes this, um, takes this on in Romans 8. So here we are in the midst of Romans 8 between those two great promises that we've talked about so often. You know, he started off Romans 8, 1 with saying, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This great, great promise. We end up at the end of this chapter with, the, with this great promise. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That we're, here we are, we're in between those two should be life-altering promises. And, 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 and we're still asking the question, are these promises ours? Do they belong to me? You know, am I, is it right for me to claim this promise? Is it right for me to live this out? Because what Paul, again, I'll go back to it, what Paul is so concerned about, what he's so worried about is he's worried about it, that those, and, and you can almost see it in writing, he's worried about those people that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7 when they're standing up before the Lord and they said, didn't we baptize, didn't we teach your name, didn't we do all these things in your name? And hearing the words, depart from me, I never knew you. Or, or, the, or the people in Matthew 25 that said, well, what do you mean we're, we're, we're separated the left hand? What do you mean we're separated from them? Why aren't we over them? When did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you naked? When did we ever see you in prison? If we had seen you, we would have visited you there. And, and, and you could just see they're almost they're shocked. You know, Peter's not worried about those people that are out here drinking and whoring and living up and have no concern for things of God. You know, uh, that person, they're going to wake up and say, there is a God. No, he's worried about that person who really thinks, I'm, I'm serving God, I'm living for God, I'm doing all these things right. And turns out they never knew him. So, so, so here we are. Are, are they ours? And we've, we've talked about this. We know they're ours, and we know that they apply to us if, as you said, in, in, in 8, uh, starting verse 5, if we're walking or living, not walking or living according to the flesh. If, if we're not walking and living according to the flesh, these promises are ours. Meaning, if we're not trying to please God through our actions, we think that the way God's going to this is by the way we live or the way we talk or the way we don't talk or the way we go to church or don't go to church or, or don't go to the bars or whatever. If, if if this is not how we're trying to live, we're not trying to please God through our flesh because we know our, our, that the only way to please God is in, the, is, in, is in the Spirit. And so we're living the life we live by the Spirit. 
if, if this is, describes us, then those promises are ours. Or, or and, I shouldn't say not or, and we know that the promises are ours if God dwells within us. And we know, we know that he dwells within us if worship is springing forth. If this attitude of worship is springing out from our lives. Meaning, we're doing everything we're doing to praise and worship him because he's worth it. And, 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 when, and none of us are doing these things perfectly. None of us do these things perfectly. But, but, but this is our hearts. Our desire is that the reason we do everything is worship. You know, that, that, that the reason that whether, whether it's the reason, the reason I, I, you know, I play with my, my grandkids should be worship. That should, I should, that, that should be an attitude of worship. God, you have been so good to me just to give me grandkids. This is, a, this is your grace and mercy. I'm, I, so, so I'm going to play with them to worship and praise you. You know, or, or the reason I get up and I go to work this morning is worship. God, and it's the same thing. God, you have been so good to me as to give me a job. So I'm going to get up and go to work to worship you. So my attitude about going to work and my attitude about, going, about playing my grandkids should be exactly the same. Because it's worship. It's worship. And, and Paul said, these promises are yours. If this, if this is what's happening, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and you're worshiping. And we're learning what that means and we learn to grow in this. Paul said, these are yours. If the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is giving life to your mortal bodies, he said, this, this is, this is, these promises are yours. If this, this is what he talked about three weeks ago. That if the one who raised, the one who animated Christ is also one who gives you life and gives you strength. If he's in you, then these promises are yours. And then last week we learned that these promises are yours if we're putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Meaning, I recognize everything that I'm doing, the only reason I'm doing it is because of what the Spirit's working in me. Because, because it is the Spirit of God who is working in me to will and do every good thing. And so, so I have to continually go back to this. And in all these things, we're being led by the Spirit of God. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, you are not a son or daughter of God. According to Paul. And I'm going to take his word for it. And you know, one thing I thought about, so what does it look like to be led by the Spirit of God? And the picture of being led, I think, is found in John 5, 19 through 20. As, as Jesus was talking about, about his life, he, he talks about being led in John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. So here's Jesus saying, he said, I, I'm led by the Father. I, I, I do what I see my Father. I, I watch my Father. My Father does it. This is what I do. 
For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows himself and shows him all that all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, that you may marvel. And so Jesus said that that for us, he said, I'm showing you what I'm doing so that you could do this. We watch him. So as, as Jesus said, he watched the Father and did as the Father led, so too we are to watch the Son and do as the Son leads and does. And so he said, this is what it looks like. If you belong to me, then, then you're following me. Then, then, I'm, then, then the Spirit's leading you, Paul says. And then as we're going on, Paul brings this very interesting section that, that, that I think uh, for me and for others as I read commentaries. You know, I hope you, you notice that Paul's in the midst of a very ex- one of his extended explanations here in Romans where he links several reasons or, 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 or explanations with the preposition of for, or, or as I say, for this reason. Um, and, and let me quickly give a, give a plug here. It was out this week. I was talking to the kids, and we're talking about education again. And it's amazing to me that even, even at Merrill Christian School, here in the midst of Christian education, there's such a... a, a a man, often a man-centered view of education, you know. So, so I'm talking to my kids, and I ask them, this, this is, "These are sophomores. So, why do you think you learn English?" And and what's really so amazing is these kids, you know, would say they have the, the, this perfect humanist answer. We learn English at school so that we can better explain ourselves or communicate one to another. And, and, you know, it's just it's so funny because that's not it. You know, the reason, the reason that we teach English at, at, at a Christian school, the reason English became part of Sunday school, and it was Sunday school because it was done on Sunday, was so those kids could understand this. You know, that was it. You learned English so that you could understand this. Oh, and by the way, and you can communicate with other people. But you learned it to learn this. And, and, and so, you know, we learned that we learned that for is a preposition. That, that it's that position at the very beginning to explain what this is about. And so Paul, so Paul links these prepositions in here and he puts this together so that we'll understand what he's talking about here. So Paul says, in, 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 as we read this back in verse Romans 8, 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh for or because, you know, because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for or because or for this reason, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For or because you did not, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He says here that, that, that you know, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God because, for this reason, for the reason that, that you are led by the, by the Spirit of God, the reason you're, you are called sons of God is you received 
this, this, this spirit of adoption. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So, so before we get to the spirit of adoption, let's take just a second and talk about the spirit of slavery. So what does it mean by Paul saying we received the spirit of slavery? Well, first of all, it's important to note that Paul is not shy about calling himself and us slaves or servants of God. There's no shame in that to him. This is word doulos. He uses it often. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul said, I, slave of God, doulos. 1 Corinthians 7.22, likewise, he, he, he who was free when he was called is a slave, bondservant, doulos of Christ. He goes on to you were bought with a price. You're a slave. So he's not talking about, when he talks about you did not receive the spirit of slavery, he does not, he's not talking about that you're not a slave of God or, or servant of God. We are. So, so, so there's something else going on here. So what is it about the, the spirit of slavery and how does it lead to fear? And I, and, I, and I think to better understand what he's trying to get across here and to communicate we need to look at slavery in the life of Joseph. Everybody knows the story of Joseph in, in, in Joseph in Genesis 39. You know, we know the story. Joseph was, was taken, he was, his brothers threw him in the pit, and the Ishmaelites took him out and, and, and ended up selling him to slavery in Egypt, and he went to, uh, to Potiphar. And in and, and Genesis 39, verse 1, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed um, in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer the house and put him in charge of all that he had. And, and so basically he took Joseph as his slave and he set him up as almost like a, it's almost like a, a, a family member. I mean, he was in charge of everything. The only person who had more authority was Potiphar himself. You know, so here he is. He's taken, taken this slave and put him and gave him this, this, this role, this, this incredible role of responsibility and, and privilege. And he's living in this, this, this picture of this. This is almost, we almost look at it and say, this picture of salvation. He's doing all these things. But he still has to live in fear, doesn't he? And we see that. Because as soon as his man, because as soon as this thing happened with Potiphar's wife, and as Potiphar heard about it, as soon as he, 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 uh, he heard this, Potiphar took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners confined. And he was there in prison. So, so even though he had this, this position of privilege, and he had this position of almost like, like a family member, there was still this spirit of slavery. And Paul's saying, we don't have that. We don't have this worry. We don't have this fear of, of, of having to be, that, that God's going to take us and say, one day say, I'm tired of you, and I'm just going to cast you out and put us back into prison. He said that, 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 that the price of slavery is in your place. We, is the, well, for slavery, it's a very unsettled position. And Paul said, you don't have that anymore. That that's been done away with. 
There is no, you don't have to worry about this fear of being cast out because we're no longer useful or, or, that, or that something has, that there's no reason for us anymore. Paul said, you don't have the spirit of fear anymore. And, and he's going to go on. He's also going to talk about in, in suffering. You don't have to worry about it. You know, when we're in this time of, uh, 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 of suffering, there's the idea that, am I still God's? Does he still love me? And Paul said, you don't have to worry about that. It's not, it's not a sign that God's cast you out. It's not a sign that God doesn't love you anymore. Why? Because we're not slaves. For now we have received this spirit of adoption. This, this ideal of adoption. As we talk about what is the nature of a relationship with God... He's going to talk about this idea of this feeling of adoption. You know, Paul repeats the same idea in Galatians 4, 1 through 7, which is kind of a parallel to, to Romans. Galatians 4, 1 through 7, Paul writes, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, he is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. In the same way, we also... When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary, elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We are adopted. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer writes, and I'll give you the quote, if, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. If you really want to, want to know how much somebody understands Christianity, talk to them about what it means to be God's child and having God as his father. In this, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And he goes on to say, Father is the Christian name for God. Father is the Christian name for God. What does it mean for us to be adopted? What does that feel like for us? You know, I feel like that in a lot of ways, we're like the street urchin who finds a very, very nice, comfortable house when we were raised up and we didn't belong there. But, 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 but this, was, this was a nice house. And the people were nice and friendly. And they would let us come into their house and invite us into their house. And we would enter their house often. And we would go in there. So much so that we, 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 were, we felt like we, we belonged there. And we'd walk in in our muddy feet and our muddy shoes. And, and we, just, we just felt comfortable walking into the house all the time. And we've gotten so comfortable in that, that on that day... When we were adopted, when we, 
we didn't recognize the change. That, that we're no longer this, these street urchins out here who just are just coming and visiting the comfortable house. Now we belong in this house. There's a change that has to take place that Paul ta- talks about. And because we're, because I think, and, and you guys, you understand what I'm saying? I, I think because we talk about this with, with our kids and, we're, and we, we talk about what it means to be God's child and everything and from the very beginning, we somehow have lost the reality sometimes. It doesn't really hit us that we are now, we're part of the family. That we're adopted into the family. We're not visiting, we're not these visiting street urchins who come in and make ourselves at home. Now, this is our home. It's different. It has has weight. It has meaning that that it didn't have before. And now, we're learning to, to live and feel as adopted sons and daughters. And, and I don't believe that, that, that I know that joy as I should. Uh, just to be honest with you. In many ways, I, I guess I, sh- I should say, I've never felt like I was an orphan or a slave. And I really wish I did feel that more. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to get, to get across? You know, I, I, I think there's a certain awe factor that that I'm missing at times in my life. You know, when in, in John 1.12, as, as John, because apparently this is a big deal for John, because he wrote about it often. John 1.12, he, he writes, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, listen, he gave the right to become children of God. It's like John saying, did did, did you hear this? To all who did receive him, who believed his name, he gave the right. You you could, could, I'll let you know a secret. By by believing him, by receiving him, you could become his child. And and John was was a Jew who raised, all his life he raised up, believed that he was an Israelite, this child of God. But he, but it, but it seems like he, he wants us to think, this is amazing. Or First John three, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. He said, this this you know what? It's amazing love that you could be called a child of God. And, and I, I, want, I just want to be curious. And, and he, gets, he goes on, so we are. So we are. But, but do you think at times we kind of have, have, we've kind of lost the awe of that? Because I know people that say, well, everybody's a child of God. I, I, haven't you heard that? I have. Well, everybody's a child of God. Then what's special about you? Then what's special about the term? 
have we lost something in our understanding of this? That Paul's trying to Paul's trying to get across here. John went on in John first John three. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. He, he says, They're not God's children. They're not. They're not. They weren't adopted. They weren't they weren't they they don't believe in him. They didn't receive him. They don't have the right to the children of God. We you do. There's a difference. John Piper preached that wonderful sermon on adoption. And and he and, and he's talking about the adoption of one of his daughters. And he he does this great comparison of uh, human adoption with God's adoption. And and we would not understand. We would, I don't believe we would even have. You know, God created adoption, and, and we wouldn't understand human adoption if God had not adopted us. It was he he he. This is a, what he instituted. This is what he created. He created the plan of adoption. But he talks about this, and 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 I'm gonna read. There's several points of this similarities that it's worth noting. For this is number one, adoption was costly for God. It wasn't cheap. Um, it cost him. There was a huge price that he paid uh, for adoption. And here's the thing about adoption involves the legal status of a child. Adoption is not just come in and feel comfortable, make yourself at home. No, you 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 stopped. You, that was you're no longer this orphan out here. You are the child. You take on his name. You feel different about the things. They're wrong to you. And one of the things he talks about that I thought was really good, adoption is marked by moral transformation through the Spirit. If you're adopted in the family, it is different than not being adopted in the family. You look different. He said that, as to quote Piper, God does not leave his children without help to bear the moral image of family. We may trust that his help will be there for our children. He said, he said that he said that the the whole picture of sanctification is basically learning to what does it look like to live as a child of God? It's like you were adopted from a different culture. And and you were brought in, like they went over to this culture. Can you imagine going over and picking up this this 15-year-old child who was raised in another culture, who was raised with another language, who was raised completely in a different way, and you were brought in here and say, now, learn to live as this, as a child here in America. Well, you've got to learn the language. You've got to learn the culture. You've got to learn the customs. You've got to learn the, what, is it, what does it look like to live as this? And that's sort of what, what sanctification is. We are learning to live like we belong to this family. And what's really so crazy is, is, is there are people that say, well, no, you can keep living like, you, like you're still in that other world, that other culture. You don't have to learn the language over here. You don't have to learn the custom. You know, you don't, man, just, just live. And I'm thinking, really? Is that, is that, is that a picture of adoption? No. Of course not. 
So there's a, there is adoption does call for transformation. And one of the things that Paul really I, I, just just amazed by adoption brought us the right of being an heir to the family uh, to the father. Sorry, an heir to the father. So this is our test. This is our test. Our, our, does these promises apply to us? Um, are we? Do we feel like part of the family? Do we feel like part of the family of God? Not, and what I mean by that is, not that we feel comfortable in that house. Do we feel like we're part of the family of God? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of families, a lot of homes I feel very comfortable in. But just because I'm comfortable, that does not make me a part of that family. You know, to, to, to be to go to them and to share with them doesn't you know, the, what does it feel like to be part of a family? What is that what is that in, in our hearts, what does that mean for us? What kind of connection does it? As I said, this is not like we walk in with muddy boots and put our feet on the table without any respect or sense of ownership. No, we're, we're, we are a part of that. That's our home. That's our house. In our, in our society today, there is this horrible sense of entitlement that we see all around us. That I'm really not sure that Paul could even have have appreciated or or would even have believed if he had been told. Um, and this is not what I'm talking about feeling like part of the family. Like you're just entitled to feel to own this way, feel this way. That's not what Paul. Said. Instead, you know that you've been adopted by the Father. Therefore, you have no sense of fear. You're not worried about anybody throwing you out. Paul says, if, the, if, this is what, if this is your feeling, that you know that you've been adopted, you know you've been adopted into the family of God, you know what that feels like. It, it, it's not just a place you visit every once in a while. It's not just a home you go and feel comfortable in. No, th this is my family. And, and, and you know, in this, as we kind of close, I, I guess to me to kind of make it, I guess, applicable to me. How do I know whether that's part of a family or someplace I just visit? And I mean, I think about good friends that, that I feel very close to, but I still wouldn't call them family. Um, I, I thought about my kids. You know, if if. If Gabe came to Miraville and did not come and visit me, yeah, what would happen, Gabe? Would not be a good move on your part. Why not? Or, or if you came to Maryville after being away, or if Hannah, if you came to Maryville and did not go visit Memo. <laughs> That would get bad, wouldn't it? Why? Family. 
Now, you could come, Gabe, you could come to Maryville and, and, and not go visit Charlie, right? I mean, you'd like to, but if you didn't, you don't have to worry about well, Charlie, you know, what happened next day. You could come, and if you saw, if Millie was here, you'd want to see her, but if you didn't, that would be okay. There's a difference between family and friends. So my question is, do you feel like you're part of a family? Or is God just a friend? I don't get to visit him. It's okay. I'll catch you next time. Which one is it? So Paul says that if, if, if this is how you feel, that you're part of the family, the promises of Romans 8 are yours. There is therefore no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And that nothing can separate you from the love of God. The good news is, though, if you don't feel like, like if, if not, if you don't feel that way, then the promises of Romans 8 can be yours. They can be. Because the promise, the word of John one twelve, is still as applicable now as it ever has been. That for those who believe, who have received, to them he gave the right to become children of God.